Amen. Thank you, Jerry. Well, good morning. It is lovely to have you here. Um, so we're continuing our series of uh, love in action. Uh, we're exploring some of the miracles of Jesus, what it shows of him, and it shows of how we can respond. And this week has been, as we've already heard, an amazing week of love in action. As we've come together as a church, as a community, to love Hampton Wick with the painting and the gardening and the litter picking. Just to say, when you are the six foot four Orderland at St. John's, when you're painting, you have the fun job of getting into the right top corners of these rooms. And today, even standing here like this, my shoulders are currently burning. Uh, but I'm really excited this morning as we get ourselves pumped and excited for the big picnic that's about to happen uh, just across the road in just under an hour's time. And um, not only am I excited for the live music, audience participation this morning, guys. Not only am I excited for the picnic itself, not am I excited for the glitter stall. There's a little bit of hesitation on that one. But lastly, I am really excited because I get to spend half an hour supervising it. I am really excited for the giant inflatables. Oh yeah, you guys are pumped and ready for Big Picnic. Uh, what I love about the inflatables is that actually it takes me back to my, uh, my days as a lifeguard. Uh, so before, actually before meeting Jesus uh, and before starting to train as a vicar, I, I used to be a lifeguard for three years. And one of the things we used to do on a Sunday afternoon is we used to do these huge parties for kids. Uh, and what we used to have is this, uh, this 15 meter giant inflatable obstacle course floating on the pool. And the three years of being a lifeguard, I only had to ever make two rescues. And one of them came from the giant inflatable obstacle course. These kids are queuing up, they're all really excited, they've been splashing around, they've been jumping on. And then I suddenly notice at the back of this queue of about six children is this one slightly smaller girl and she looked petrified. And when you're a lifeguard and you see kids that are about to enter a pool looking petrified, you're suddenly on a bit of like, you know, you, you're alarmed, you're kind of wary. And so this kid slowly cues up and gets to the front. And I'm like, I'm ready. I've picked up my lifeguard pole. I've picked up my float. And I'm like, I know what's happening. And she slowly crawls on to this inflatable. And it's starting to work. And you can see that she's like hesitant to jump on. And it's 15 meters long, and it took her nearly 20 minutes to get across. But she's slowly working herself through the bollards, and she's climbed up the ladder, and she's back down. And eventually, after about 20 minutes, she gets to the end of this inflatable course. She's climbed up the steps, and there's this giant slide into the wet pool in front of her. And she sits there, and she just begins to cry. And I'm there going like, I know what's about to come. And she's there and I'm like, this is going to be so wet. And she's there and you can see she's getting more worked up. And in the end, I had to take the drastic decision. And please do not judge me in this place. She was sat there for so long. The lifeguard at the front of the inflatable, I had to say, give it a kick. And he kicked it. And bless her, this little girl, she tumbled down the slide and she fell into the water. If you've ever seen a child that cannot swim, 
this is what happens. They go in, they come up and go, <gasps> and then go back down. And you're like, please come back up, please come back up, please come back up. And you could just see the arms under the water going and the legs are going. And I'm like, here is my first moment as a lifeguard to be a hero and save the day. And so I struck my best lifeguard pose. I had my float over my shoulder and I dive into the pool and I grab her out and I pull her to the side. She was fine, by the way. I can see slightly panicked faces. She survived. And I pull her to the side. And uh, I think the best lifeguard training is you just ask, like, are you okay, as long as they're breathing. Um, and I sort of said to her, I was like, are you okay? And she just went, ha, 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 and climbed out. And I was like, what on earth is that about? I'm not joking, St. John's. This same little girl that just spent 20 minutes climbing on this inflatable horse and nearly drowning skips back to the front of this inflatable, jumps on, sprints across, dives in. And I'm not kidding. I see the best front crawl I've ever seen. And, she's, and I'm there soaking wet on the side like, are you joking? But today, St. John's, I know that there are some people that maybe just like this little girl are on the inflatable obstacle course of life and you're climbing yourself through and you're fearful of what's going on and you're sat at the top of this slide and you're like, what am I about to plunge myself into? And the difference is with this little girl is she was transformed when she knew who was on the side looking out for her, ready to support her, to care for her, to save her and to supply for her. And for us, I think when we think of the big picnic that's coming up today that we're about to celebrate in under an hour is who is on our side? Who is the God that is ready to jump in for us and to supply for our every need? And so we're going to jump into God's word and we're going to uh, jump into John chapter 6 and we're going to find out more about an amazing big picnic. So uh, if you are jumping in and using one of our St. John's Blue Bibles, if you want to turn to page 1069, the Gospel of John, chapter 6, and we're going to read from verse 1 to 12. So sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing those who were ill. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test Philip, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than a, year's, a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, make the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. 
This morning, I want to talk on God's provision and love in action through provision. And uh, I'm going to jump through quite quickly this morning so that we can get ourselves ready for the big picnic. And uh, we're going to look at our perspective on provision, our partnership of provision, and the person of provision. And so this week, we've had an amazing week of love in action with Hampton Wick. And we have been providing for the community. We've been supporting the community. And for us, I want to ask this first question. When we think about provision, what is our perspective? Because we all have a system of supply. We all have a system of supply. For for us, obviously, physically, uh, money and food is an important part of our system of supply. But for others, it might be uh, supply is around our health or our relationships. For some of us, our supply may be uh, around popularity or power. What are the things that satisfy us? What are the things that get us through life and supply for our needs? What are those places that satisfy our needs? And so here in our passage, the disciples have spotted a problem. They've spotted a problem. There's 5,000 men, not also including the women and children, So let's say we double that. Did you know that actually there are uh, just over 10,000 residents in Hampton Wick? And we pray and hope that all 10,000 may now come to the King's Park to receive a big picnic. But there are 10,000 people in Hampton Wick. So this is almost a very similar setting to what we're reading here in our passage in John 6. And the disciples come to Jesus and they've spotted that there are too many people and definitely not enough food. There's a problem that needs addressing. And so Jesus asked Philip, one of the disciples, the question, what are you going to do about it? What's interesting is this, uh, this miracle that Jesus does, just to say, just as Tom said last week, this isn't a, a parable or a story. This is an, an actual event, a historical action of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus says to Philip, what are you going to do? Uh, in the book of Mark, when this miracle is recorded, Jesus says, you feed them. And suddenly the disciples have this issue, the problem of how on earth are we going to feed 5,000 men and potentially 5,000 women and children? We need to change our perspective on provision. For us, when we think of our system of supply, we're always thinking, and I include myself in this, we're always thinking of the practical, physical supply. And Jesus is saying to his disciples, you need to come to me and change your perspective of the provision. And so what happens is the disciples see a problem and Jesus sees an opportunity. It says that Jesus is filled with compassion in Matthew when we record, when we read this miracle. Jesus is filled with compassion for the people around him. And so he says to the disciples, change your perspective. What do you think I can do? And Jesus says that I, God, will be the source of your supply. And so up steps the little boy with his five barley loaves and his two fish. And what's interesting is uh, the barley loaves in that time in Israel uh, was, was the food that the poorest people in Israel would be eating. It was the cheapest food you can get. So not only was it the smallest lunchbox that you could find that was from the smallest person, but it was also for the least of that community. And Jesus says, 
that I can change your perspective. I can take the small and the insignificant and I can change it into the spectacular. God wants to pour out his abundant blessing and provide for us. And what we've seen over this week is multiplication and multiplication. Uh, Dan said it so brilliantly, but yesterday when we were painting St. John's School, I, I truly believe and we truly believe that we experienced a miracle just like we've been reading in John 6. These, these standard two tubs of paint, we were thinking this is going to be a miracle just to get the hallway done in three hours. And in the three hours, we've done the hallway and the three side rooms. And not only that, but we were thinking probably we, we only need to do one coat and that's as much as we've got. We managed to cover these walls and we managed to bless a school because God is a God of changing perspective. He's a God of miracles and he's a God of abundant multiplication and blessing. So we need to change the perspective of our provision. Secondly, the partnership of provision. What's amazing is that there were 12 hands yesterday in the school for painting. Just like we read of the 12 disciples that are handing out this little boy's picnic. God uses us. Just turn to your neighbor and say, us. Us. God chooses us to transform societies, to change communities, to accomplish his abundant actions. God places the blessings in our hands. Um, you may have seen the, the gorgeous photo uh, of, uh, of Dima and Mila with the gardening. Um, and what was amazing was um, Mila was by far the best gardener out of all of us. And Mila came with these tiny spades and forks and she was digging on in there. And what's amazing is God is saying, the small and in the insignificant, I am using you to make a difference. Mila got to come and make a difference for a community at the allotments. Jesus says to the disciples, you, we feed them. And so the disciples have an interesting dilemma. God has placed them the authority and the partnership with him to go and feed a community. And the disciples have this issue. Do they just let the hungry crowd go home and they're left with disappointment? Do they pop to the nearest McDonald's and they say we need 5,000 Big Macs for this crowd? But what happens is, is not disappointment, but this becomes dependency. That actually what happens is, is that the disciples then would probably set the culture of we are going to have to continually, in our strength, sustain you. So there's disappointment, dependency, or the third option, and this is where Jesus steps in, is he says, not disappointment, you're not going home hungry, not dependency, you're not going to have to rely on the strength of the disciples, but I am going to offer divine distribution. And so Jesus takes the lunchbox, he breaks it. He breaks the bread, he breaks the fish, and all 5,000 men, and including the women and children, they are fed and they are satisfied because Jesus gives the authority and the partnership to the disciples and we go, we step out, and we do the actions of God. Not disappointment, not dependency, but divine distribution. And what I love is, it's amazing that a God of love, this fatherly God, would give us that authority. 
Um, a while ago, uh, I normally spend most of my Saturdays hanging out with uh, my family at my nan's house, and uh, basically what we do is we have like a mini version of Big Picnic. Uh, we always have uh, afternoon tea about three o'clock with biscuits and cakes. Uh, and my little nephew, uh, Alfie, who's five now, um, Alfie, bless him, always wants the responsibility of carrying out the cakes and biscuits purely so he can have at least five on the way to the living room. Um, but what's amazing is I remember this one time, Alfie was probably like two, three, and he was given the responsibility by his dad to carry the biscuits out into the living room. And Alfie's kind of like wobbling along with this tray. Um, and the inevitable happens. Alfie takes a tumble, uh, all the cakes and biscuits go rolling around in my nan's dusty carpet. And Stuart, my brother, Alfie's dad, he, he comes alongside Alfie. He scoops Alfie up first, and then he begins to scoop up the biscuits. And he begins to put the biscuits and the cakes back on the tray. And what I thought was amazing was then Stuart brushed off Alfie and gave him back the tray and said, go again. God's heart, that for some of us, we may feel today, like how on earth am I able to partner with God? Maybe it's the things that I've said, the things that I've done, the things that I've thought that makes me not worthy to be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus, and to step out in love and action with him. But Jesus says today, if you're feeling like that, I'm going to pick you up, I'm going to brush you down, and I give you back the tray, partner with me. And so thirdly, we have the perspective of provision, the partnership of vision, and then we have the person of provision. This is where Jesus Christ steps in, and he says, uh, a little bit further on in John 6, I am the bread of life. Because uh, during this, uh, this miracle, uh, they're celebrating, or they're about to celebrate, the festival of Passover, which is a, a Jewish festival. And so all the crowd that have been gathering would have been thinking about Moses, uh, Moses, the man chosen in the Old Testament to save the people of Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, uh, parts the Red Sea and leads his people into the desert where they experience and they get manna, bread from heaven coming down daily. And so the Jewish people would have been thinking about these, these, these stories and these pictures of Moses. And here stands Jesus on a hillside with 5,000 men in front of him. And he says, I am the bread of life. I have come to feed you and sustain you. I am now the new manna from heaven. I have come to fill you up and to satisfy you. But for some, bread doesn't always mean life. As I come into land, and we're going to go into a time of communion, um, a few years ago, I had uh, the amazing privilege of running a, um, a summer camp for about 1,000 kids. Uh, one of the things we used to do is we used to have a big time of worship in the morning, and uh, we used to then invite kids to come and play sort of silly, messy games. So that's what you do to share Jesus with kids. Um, and uh, we invited uh, four kids to come up um, and play a game called Stale Bread. Um, basically, in principle, uh, four kids lined up, and they all have a plate with a single piece of toast that's been left for about a day. So it's gone really hard and really stale. It's like when you accidentally leave the your bread in the toaster and you're just like I'm, I can't eat this even if I try and warm it up it's not going to happen um, and so three of these kids had the technique nailed down perfectly nibble by nibble piece by piece they started to break off this bread and they started to eat it and chomp as quick as they can one boy in particular who's actually was part of my youth group a, a lad called Kai had a slightly different technique uh, Kai took the piece of stale bread 
folded it over in half and shoved that bad boy straight in his mouth and chomp, 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 chomp. And we were like, wow, this is a bold technique. Kai was doing really well, uh, frantically chewing, when I suddenly thought, Kai's face is going really red. He's chomping really, really hard. Oh, Kai's, Kai's stopped chomping and his face is starting to go a little bit blue and he's now looking at me a little bit panicked. And suddenly I, I know exactly what's going on here. So I've had to grab Kai by the stomach, pull him off the stage and perform five amazing back slaps and out pops this huge chunk of stale bread. The bread of life. But as we come into land, for some of us, as we think about Jesus, the person of provision, that for some of us, the bread has become stale. The daily bread has become stale. Our time, our intimacy with the one who provides Jesus Christ has run dry and has gone stale. And Jesus stands in front of this crowd of 5,000 and he takes the small lunchbox. He takes the five pieces of bread. He takes the two fish and he offers it to God. He blesses it and says, God, in your favor, would you use this? And he breaks it and he gives it to us. He gives it to the disciples to say, go and feed my sheep, go and feed my people. And Jesus is showing us who he is in that moment, the person of provision, Jesus, the bread of life, who would be raised up on a hill that would be broken for us and that he would be poured out for every single one of his people to feed them and to satisfy them, to supply their every need. Jesus is the abundant supply for everything that we are going through. And this morning as we come to the communion table, every single one of us is invited. Jesus says, you are all invited, you're all included to feed on me and to be satisfied by me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to pass over to Joe.